welcome to episode 58 of The Route, presented by Jobs in Sports. The Route is a glorified sports business coffee chat that has a new guest every episode as they share their experiences and route in sports. I'm Christopher Nascimento, and let's get started. On today's episode, we have a young professional making waves in the sports industry. And to be honest, we can almost say that literally. So, you'll be like, wait, what? You'll find out in a few moments here when we get into the interview. But before we do so, as usual, just a few things to cover. Um, for those that don't know, as you can see on the podcast artwork, there's a little whale at the top left corner. Take a look. Yep, that's White Whale Marketing. That's the company that the route is under. And with that, you know, we, we've dabbled in some episodes about what whale marketing is all about and you know the different types of things we're doing in sports marketing. And uh, yeah, last week we were finally happy to announce some some big news. Our first few clients, one the CFL, one a professional soccer player as well, with more to be announced in the coming weeks. And um, what day is today? At the time of this episode's release, yesterday we would have announced that we have streamers coming on board where they'll be playing, you know, uh, at the moment I think it's 2K, FIFA, we have other sports like uh, or esports games like Rocket League, uh, Rainbow Six Siege. Sorry, I'm not too familiar with those names, but those will be coming as uh, time goes on. So some very exciting announcements in the marketing, streaming, and you know athlete space for us at White Whale Marketing. So stay tuned to that. Um, you can follow them at White Whale MKTG on all socials. Um, Building on that, that was kind of the biggest news, right? We, we've had a lot of that going on here with uh, the route and white whale marketing. It's kind of the same thing. And yeah, it's uh, it's been a great week. Lots of podcasts, interviews getting, uh, you know, banked for, for later dates. Um, you know, merch sales have been going up. So once again, you can find, you know, the route podcast. We have a collection at whitewellmarketing.shop. So you can, you know, find some hoodies, hats, or uh, t-shirts, stuff like that. So you can support the podcast. And yeah, we also have maybe some some interns coming on board to help us out at you know the route and also white whale marketing. So very exciting times here. Um, just trying to think if there's anything else to cover. Don't believe so, but you can always stay up to date with with our socials at the route sports. That's on all platforms: TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, I think that's about it. So you know, without further ado, let's uh, let's get into Michael's interview. I'd now like to welcome someone who's making more than just sound waves in the hockey world. From co-hosting the Showbound podcast with Ethan Cardwell and currently the general manager of the Brock Badgers men's hockey team. Michael Raskin, welcome to The Route. How's it going? Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. It's going well, man. Excited and uh, I love your podcast so far. I listened to a few episodes, so happy to be on. Yeah, man. I appreciate it and uh, thank you for taking the time to, to come on. And uh, yeah, the main thing that I'd like to ask people just to get the podcast going, hence the name of the podcast, let's uh, let's hear your route. Do you mind taking us from where it began and how you are uh, at the position you are now? Yeah, so uh, I guess it all started, I think, when I was 13 years old and uh, I was playing minor hockey, but I kind of realized I wasn't going to make the NHL, at least as a player. So I kind of figured my best shot may be off the ice on the business side. So I, I thought I wanted to be a scout and I started going to uh, minor midget triple a games and and scouting on a piece of paper and my dad would take a picture of my notes and send them to his one buddy who was a gm in the ohl at the time 
And uh, I did that for a couple of years just on my own, just to learn. And, you know, the, this GM, Marty Williamson, he was the GM of Barry at the time. And then later, Niagara, uh, he was giving me feedback and me pointers and stuff. And I was really enjoying the scouting. And when I turned 16 and he was in Niagara as the general manager there, he decided to hire me. So um, that's kind of how it started, I guess. Uh, became a scout there for the Niagara Ice Dogs. And he he mentored me, really took me under his wing and taught me everything. And uh I realized after the year of scouting there, it wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. It was really cool, but I think the life of a scout is a is a, a tough one if you want to do it for a career. You know, a lot of travel, tough to be with family. Um, I don't know. It's just it, I didn't think it was for me, and I wasn't really loving it. But it was it was cool to get that side of it. So, um, a year after that, Marty, that Niagara general manager, became the head coach of the Brock University hockey team, and said, "Hey, why don't you?" leave the ice dogs and come here with me. You can be my general manager and let's, you know, let's turn this program into an elite hockey program. So, you know, with my scouting knowledge and and being around the ice dogs for a few years there, uh, I was able to go help out Brock with him, uh, went to a, a national championship in our first year together, actually, and uh, gained some experience there over a few, few years, made some connections, which, which then led me to Barry. Um, the Barry Colts were, in need of some new office staff. I guess they were going through some turnover. So interviewed there, got a job doing um, media relations, uh, like social media, that type of stuff and helping out a bit on the video side as well with the video coach there and uh, just learning under him, um, trying to get you know involved in every way I can. So I spent the last year in Barrie and uh, had a great time there. And then unfortunately with the OHL, not knowing if there's going to be a season this year, I couldn't couldn't really just sit and wait to see if I'd have a job again. So came back to Brock, and uh, I was actually still the general manager of Brock at the same time with Barry there, just kind of in a reduced capacity. But uh, this year I'm back with with Brock, and um, yeah, that's kind of kind of where I'm at now. Yeah, no, that's an amazing you know route so far, and you know, I don't know if we mentioned this, but you are still young, right? You just finished university, and it seems like you have a ton of experience already just in, you know, the hockey world. So I'm sure that gives you a leg up. And one of the things that you kind of pointed out, that I think's you know, great. And I see a, a trend in uh, all these episodes that I record is, you know, you, you know, you're passionate for hockey, right? Absolutely. And, you know, you kind of wanted to, to see how that, that career would go. And you just did it, right? Almost like what Nike says, rather than just waiting around, trying to get the opportunity and then working on it, you know, you started taking the scouting notes and then sending it around and, you know, that's how you got your in, right? Yeah, no, definitely uh, grinded from a young age. And that's the way you got to do it in sports. You really kind of, you can't wait. You got to make your own opportunities. Yeah, no, absolutely. I completely agree with that. And then, you know, I think you forgot to mention one of the big things as well is kind of how I found you as well. Just from one of my buddies liking uh, your podcast is, you know, you you have a podcast as well with uh, with your co-host, Ethan. You might maybe telling us about that. Yeah, it's actually funny that I left that out because it is kind of turning into a job now and <laughs> Um, with the ad revenue and stuff, it's 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 doing well for me financially. So I guess you could call it a job. But yeah, I'm, uh, myself and Ethan Cardwell, we host the Showbound podcast, which is just a we basically interview um, a hockey player who you know is either on their way to the NHL or in the NHL, and uh, we we talk about their careers and just get to show their personalities, share some funny stories, and um, yeah, it's something that we started in the pandemic really just for fun and it's turned into something much bigger than we ever thought. So um, that, that's what I'm doing now in my, my lots of spare time. And it's, it's really fun to do. And, you know, you know, you have a podcast, it's, just, it's definitely, 
it's definitely something fun and you meet so many cool people along the way. So uh, really enjoying that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I know my, my, my podcast as well, right? It kind of came out where, you know, at the start of the pandemic as well. So everyone's calling it a pandemic podcast, but I never really thought of one before. And I, I'm sure you could say the same thing where it's like the value it provides you and provides others is just incredible. Like you're saying, right. Where you're meeting so many incredible people, you're, you know, developing skills. And at the same time, you're, you're just having a blast, right. Having, you know, organic conversations with a, with a bunch of different people. Um, yeah. And, you know, a lot of people with this podcast as well, they've been asking me, you know, how I started, how it may be created and formed. Do you mind maybe sharing that as well before we dive into to other aspects of, uh, of your route? Yeah. So I actually had a podcast before this when I was uh, in Barry with the Colts. We had a Barry Colts podcast that I started and uh, we just had the players on and we literally just talk for 30, 40 minutes every week about what's going on. And it was really fun, actually. I, I loved it. And uh, there are some really funny uh, stories that, <laughs> that got aired on there and maybe shouldn't have. But um, so that was my first like podcast experience, I guess. And uh, from there, you know, a few months ago, Ethan Cardwell, who's on the Colts, um, that's where I met him. Uh, I just texted him. I was, I was like, hey, man, you want to start a hockey podcast? And he just immediately goes, he's like, yeah, I'll call you in five. And we just <laughs> called decided this was a great idea something we want to do you know we both have a lot of friends that are are worthy of being guests so we knew it was going to be easy to kind of find people and then uh within a week we had our first episode with Cole Perfetti who had just been drafted by the Winnipeg Jets first round at that point maybe like a week prior so uh there was a lot of hype around him I guess at the time and um that first episode kind of just took off and and the rest is history I <laughs> know yeah, that's amazing I was kind of looking into it right uh into your podcast and i was just reading I'm like hey like these guys i believe you're on episode 11 correct uh yeah we just put out episode 13 actually a few days okay. ago okay okay sorry about that but uh yeah i was kind of looking back to your your list of guests you know after you know doing some research for the for the episode that we're recording now i was like wow these guys have like unreal guests like and that's one of the things i kind of almost want to ask you i think i have it written down how are you guys getting like culper fatty quinton byfield Obviously, whoever's listening, please check out the podcast, the Showbound podcast. But I was listening to some of your episodes, and it's it's good stuff too. Like, how are you guys getting the, these great guests? I guess you know, just the at least the OHL community is is very tight, and you know, Cardsy's a very well connected person, and that's one of the reasons why I reached out to him to start it. He's a uh, Cole Perfetti's his best friend, so that was a, a free one for the first one, and then um byfield they they work out together or something i don't even know like all these guys all the guys we've had on so far have just been either friends of mine or friends of cardsies so um and now we're kind of getting to the point where we're using our mutual friends with people mm -hmm. to, to get people so you know we're reaching out to those guys who are playing in the nhl and they're like hey can you get this guy on and and uh, now that we kind of have some traction and um a couple people have heard of the podcast they're they're fine to come on and um so it's just yeah once we got a little bigger it definitely gets easier to to get guests but for now they've just been friends of ours yeah for sure and you know that's kind of one of the key things to you know developing a career and kind of growing as well right where it's not uh what you know but almost who you know eh so um i'm sure like your your connections and your friends are just you know it, it keeps growing and growing and you know before you know it, you guys are gonna have a you already have a big podcast in my mind but you know it's gonna get even bigger so that's amazing as well and then kind of taking that and going back to, to the beginning of your route, right? 
you're talking about being well connected or, and, you know, talking to your friends and getting new people on the podcast. That's kind of how your, your scouting career started, right? You're saying how your, your dad was friends with a scout. Do you mind maybe breaking down what um, the aspects of being a scout is like? Because obviously a lot of people, especially, you know, being here in Canada, they're interested in hockey. They're interested in getting involved in the sport and scouting is one of those things. So you mind maybe breaking down what that lifestyle is like? Yeah. So as a, I can't speak on as a as a pro scout who's going to maybe OHL games and stuff, but as an OHL scout going to minor hockey games, it was uh, you basically go to a game you know, five nights a week, really one or two games, um, and uh, you know you're sitting in the crowd basically writing on uh, whatever it is your laptop and um, with with Niagara and I think it's the same with most OHL teams. We had three scouts meetings throughout the year and then the OHL draft, so you know we'd meet rank basically all the players where we think they can go and um after each meeting you kind of have a sense of who you really want to be looking at further at the beginning you know you're kind of making reports on everybody and then you sort of narrow it down with who you want and um yeah i mean it's really you just your nights are busy that's that's kind of the life of being an ohl scout you're you're always in the minor hockey ranks and even you know what even for me who was just a kid really there were so many parents coming up to me and trying to talk to me about their kids and stuff. And I wasn't even, you know, like, a, I didn't even look like a scout. They just saw me writing stuff down. Um, <laughs> and it's just, it's crazy. I, I hear the other scouts telling me these stories of, you know, like moms flashing them for their kids to get drafted and stuff. Oh my like God. All these, and you can just imagine like minor hockey and especially the GTA is, is crazy. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. You just, you're going to the rinks every night and, and, you know, learning as much as you can about every player that's eligible and, and just, you know, you talk about it with the scouts and you can see all the other scouts reports too. And, um, you know, whether that influences your opinions or not, but it's, it's good to always be talking about every single one. So it's a lot of just conversations, calls and, and the scouting community in the OHL is actually very tight. So, you know, I, I would walk around and there'd be other teams, OHL scouts coming to me and, you know, t- asking me what I think about this guy. I'd, I'd ask him and everyone's open to talk. Like no one really is being private about it it's all it's a it's a good community and that was actually a cool feeling yeah no that, that's amazing great to hear that you know the community so tight and you know willing to, to help one another but the thing that you touched on as well just how crazy you know hockey parents the hockey world here is in canada i can even just attest to that because i used to work for uh, a hockey startup for you know analytics and i was doing the marketing and even just our segments not i i kind of named it crazy hockey parents but there were you know there are things that we did to kind of attract those type of clientele because there's you know they're like eight years old and they're going to academies they have these huge instagram accounts where they're showing their kid training you know lifting three pound weights and it's blew our mind but you know they're so interested in even buying you know analytics products for uh you know their eight-year-old which is wild and uh yeah. Yeah, I got a few stories about crazy hockey parents, but keep that for another day. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, but then kind of moving on from that, you, you kind of touched on earlier how, you know, obviously you got the great opportunity to work in scouting, right? And you kind of touch on how it was like uh, working in minor hockey. And then you kind of realized it wasn't necessarily for you, right? Um, and then you kind of moved on to the Brock Badgers. Do you mind maybe touching on what that, that transition was like and maybe why being a general manager more uh, fit your lane? Yeah. So first of all, the, the transition was very hard for me. Uh, for one, I came in as a, I think I was 18. Yeah. I was 18 when I started and the youngest player on the team was 21. 
So okay, I I was struggling with the kind of power role with these guys that are not only just older than me, but they're also better hockey players than me. So it's like, who, why am I going to listen to this younger guy who's worse than me type of thing? Like yeah. um, my first year I struggled with, with kind of uh, getting the respect, I think. And it was a lot of lessons for me because it, I wasn't like taught anything. It's just kind of like going and do it. And which is good. I mean, I, I love that. And I learned so much more kind of figuring it out on my own through my own failures. And then when I came in the second year, it was the way I carried myself and around the team was a lot better. And I, I gained the respect and even just being there for a year already, you kind of get the respect, but um, the transition was hard, but uh, you know, becoming a general manager, I liked it a lot more because you, I like being in control, I think. And, and don't get me wrong in U sports, the coach really is more like he's my boss. Um, so mm-hmm. I wasn't the highest up, but you know, I was, I was able to, put my weight into every decision that that was made with the team and you know recruiting was was the biggest aspect of it and and getting to make this team and shape this team along with the coaches and and see who we want to bring in but I liked having that ability to um kind of control decisions and um not just be like a pawn type of thing where where people are telling me what to do I I like getting to be and even in a smaller organization like Brock because obviously uh the bigger organization you are, there's more people kind of telling you what to do. So it was nice just getting to be a, like a big fish in a small pond kind of thing. And I, I enjoyed that. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's actually one of the things that I've had people on the podcast from, you know, I think it was in the UK and in soccer and then also in Australia for rugby where they kind of shared how um, oftentimes when people are going into the sports world, right. They're always looking at, you know, the huge franchises, you think of the Yankees, you know, uh, Red Sox, whatever. And that's your goal. Right. And then, you kind of work in, want to work in, let's say, social media for them. But at the same time, you could go work for, I don't know, single A baseball, have so many different you know tasks they can do while also working in social media. And at the same time, once you're a social media manager at one level, you're kind of a social media manager at all levels, right? But you kind of gain more experience as well at the smaller club. And kind of, like you said, you're doing more, right? You're, you're doing, you're in control, and uh, you're kind of living by, by trial. So I can definitely attest to that. And one of the other things that you just said that's kind of interesting was um, you you enjoy doing, right? And I know before the podcast started, you mentioned how you also were a student at Brock. How do you find that um, that balance, right? It seems like there's a huge debate now where people are like, hey, should I be going to college? Should I just be getting um, work experience? How do you find that balance works for you? Yeah, it was hard. Um, it was really, you know, we practice every day at two o'clock that was uh you know right in the middle of the day so you have to schedule your classes around practice basically that's the that's the big thing um you know exactly when practice is so you got to do your best um if you have to miss a class like <laughs> you got to figure it out L- luckily for me being a sport management student the professors understood my role with the hockey team and it was affiliated with the school so they were pretty understanding and you know helped me out whenever i needed it but um, it was very time consuming, you know, being on the road and similarly in Barry, I was in fourth year while I was in Barry. So I was balancing that while traveling, you know, to every, uh, OHL city and being on the road. And it's really like anything time management. And, uh, I would recommend, you know, people who don't know whether to be working or in school, like you can do both if you can grind, like if you're a grinder, you can always make it work. Um, you know, sometimes your social life might have to take the back seat. Sometimes it might not. I mean, I, I definitely had a good social life while I was in school. I was lucky to be able to make it work. But 
it's all about just managing your time and and you know uh with with knowing exactly when practices and games are because you have the schedule you know months before it comes months before the season starts you really i would kind of plan my months i i had the monthly calendar on the wall i'd know exactly what i was doing every day so i was very organized that way and um some some people are good with that some aren't but but for me like a big piece of advice is i think if you want to be able to make it work with a really busy schedule, you should break your days down and, and know exactly what you, you have to do every day. Yeah, no, that's an amazing tip, but I'm sure a lot of people are going to be applying, right? Where I think where when you're coming out of high school, coming out of university, people always tell you how important time management is, right? And, you know, valuing, you know, what's more important than the other and what's the priority. And like you said, if you know when something's due, you know when the game's being played, it's pretty easy to, you know, combine the two and see when your free time is to, to do work or, you know, even have a, that university experience as well. And kind of moving on to uh, Barry, you kind of just mentioned here when you're in fourth year, you're still working with the Colts. How did that come about? And what was it like working for the Colts? So it actually came about through um, the same, uh, the coach of Brock had gotten a job as the um, I, I always forget the title, like senior advisor to the general manager or something like he, okay. he was like a consultant, basically an advisor. And, um, he introduced me to them and just said, you know, we could use your skill set over here in Barry if you'd be interested. So I was like, yeah, let's, let's talk about it. And, and it just developed and we, we built a good relationship over the summer leading into the season. So I decided it was going to be a good fit. And, um, so decided to go to Barry and I actually just did school online in fourth year and, uh, it was great. My time in Barry was really fun. Uh, you know, learning firsthand, kind of seeing how the day to day of an OHL team, which I didn't get with my scouting experience in Niagara because I wasn't physically with the team. It was it was cool to see, uh, you know, to be at the rink every day, be on the road with the team, go to every game, go to every practice. And um, I learned a lot. Definitely met a great like we had a, we had honestly the one of the best groups of guys on that on that Colts team last year. Every, every single guy was amazing. So I met a lot of good people there, and uh, it was just a it was a fun experience. So you know if the OHL season starts this year or next year, like I I definitely look forward to going back and and working with the team again. Hopefully Barry. If not, I'm sure they're all great great times. But um, it was a lot of fun, and I I definitely enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. That, that sounds amazing. And one of the things I kind of want to dive into at the position here at Barry, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were the social media and media relations manager for the Colts, right? Yep. Okay. So I was actually, uh, I worked, I did the whole media and PR for Athletical Ottawa as well this past season. And one of the things I found during this position, right, I was sitting in all the different interviews with the with the players, right? And, you know, whether it's with the paper, video, radio, whatever, you're kind of getting insight of what it's like when they're getting interviewed, right? And before each player was interviewed, I'd have like a little discussion with the journalist or the, the reporter. And they're kind of asking, hey, like what kind of things is this player interested in? What kind of things can, you know, we, we dive into so we can kind of get some personality rather than, you know, the typical um, we got to play harder in hockey, you know, dump, dump and chase. And, you know, you know, all, all those different cliches that are in sports. What kind of things did you find were present when you're as a as a media relations manager for the Colts? And how were you able to, to learn from that and then apply it to your podcast and then actually get the personalities out when, uh, when having these episodes? I think for, uh, for media relations with the Colts, it was a little bit tougher in the sense that we, 
didn't have journalists really coming to us all the time and people being like hey let's do this let's do it it was it was a lot of me reaching out to them like we got to get our name out there like can we set something up so i was uh working a lot with ctv barry kind of just trying to get them in for a story all the time just to get the quotes in the news so um a lot of this stuff was i I don't know how to not not fabricated but we would kind of just like create our own stories um yeah and uh and how that so that was a bit of a challenge uh being being with a smaller market and uh it was it was really easy actually to get the personalities out it, it with the the young kids the 16 year olds in the league they're kind of sticking to this scripted answers just because they don't want to screw up when they're in their first yeah. year but the the older guys were great they've they've been through it all and they they know it all so they were good with you know anytime i can throw one of them in an interview if we needed a good one they were always uh very uh personal and and not just giving the cliche answers they were great so that was good the, and then the 16 year old kids like whoever was bad really with it um you know, I would just give them any tips or pointers and some of them want the interviews to feel personal and some of them just want them to be strictly professional. Like they don't want to be smiling yet. And that's the way it is for them. So I'm not going to tell them what to do. I just give them tips. And if they choose to do it, then they do. And if not, it is what it is. Right. I don't know. Fair enough. I I think there's, I still remember there was one interview I had with uh, one of the younger guys and, you know, he was giving all these straight answers saying like he doesn't play video games. And then I just like interjected in the interview because was it was kind of going a little bland i was like come on i heard you suck right like kind of getting into it and then he started laughing and then he kind of dove into it but i don't know what the stigma is with, with the younger guys where they want to be super serious and you know know this know that but no that for sure makes sense and one of the things i kind of want to ask you kind of building on that is before the podcast we also talked about tiktok right you're telling me how great of a tool it was to, to kind of grow a podcast as well and yep. you know with the the age group of the current ohl players it only makes sense that a lot of them are present on on the platform and um you're telling me how easy it is to have like a, a podcast clip blow up and i'm sure the same thing could be done for maybe an ohl player and i don't know a video of them doing some type of drill that's you know m- many people can't do right and that also has you know the branding possibility do you maybe have an idea of what the mindset is for ohl players on you know creating the personal brand that you're starting to hear a lot of in you know the nfl and nba yeah, we actually talked about this with uh, a few guys we had on the podcast. N- not on the podcast, like off the record, we've been talking about this. A lot of these guys are looking to build their personal brands young now because um, honestly, it, a, a lot, obviously most OHL players aren't going to make the NHL, They uh, but they can use their time in the OHL, whether it's three or five years, however long it might be to you know use that attention, maybe grow your social media platforms and you can turn it into potential customers for your future business or whatever it might be. And um, so we talk about how uh, I talked about this with the kids in Barry, how, you know, if you, if you're, you're playing video games and stuff, maybe you stream it, maybe you build a following and um, go that way. And, and a couple guys were actually streaming uh, throughout the season, which was pretty funny. Um, so, yeah, I think it's important anytime. I mean, if it's something you want to do, if, if you're in any type of spotlight, and you have an opportunity to build your brand and that's what you're interested in doing, I say you do whatever you can to do it. And, you know, that's kind of something I've done throughout my platforms in Barry and, and uh, with Brock, you know, use, use that opportunity to make friends and kind of grow my own personal brand. And I encourage it for everyone. And then if you, you do end up making the NHL, you have a huge opportunity to, you know, leverage that fan base to become personal fans of yours or personal fans of whatever it is you're doing off the ice. So, um, you know, it's, it's always good to start young. I did it with scouting and, you know, as a player, 
I tell them, you know, it's the exact same for you. Do whatever you can and, and build your brand. And, you know, you actually see it in Barry. There's some kids that want to be involved in every social media post. They're always like, hey, like, you know, can I be on the Instagram or like, can I be on the podcast this week? And some guys are like, I don't want to do interviews. I don't want to do this. And they don't, they don't want the spotlight. But, you know, I, I respect everyone's ideas and opinions of it, but it's good to see the the kind of hustlers off the ice. I, I definitely uh, enjoy working with those guys. Yeah, no, that that's actually amazing to hear because you mentioned the word spotlight a few times. And um, I don't know if I, I mentioned this to you before the podcast, but I actually left Athletic Ottawa to start my, my own business because, you know, working with these athletes, you know, throughout the days and going to practice and also being in interviews with them, um, it's kind of becoming more and more apparent, especially with, you know, creating my own personal brand, how easy it is to do, uh, to grow a personal brand now. And imagine just doing it with an athlete, right? They already have that base following, which, you know, has them deemed as a micro influencer. So there's already that engagement there. And, you know, it seems like it's like, it's difficult for a lot of guys to kind of grasp that, you know, there is that influence, I guess you could say that they have. And, um, sometimes, unfortunately, it's hard to say to, to some athletes, but, you know, you're not, not everyone gets to have that, you know, 25, you know, maybe 15 year career in professional sport. So while you are being interviewed, while you are, you know, the center of attention on a larger Instagram page, like, like your teams, that's when you can kind of translate that audience and, you know, maybe turn into little pocket change or connections, or even just growing your network, like you were saying earlier in the podcast. So maximizing the spotlight is uh, kind of one of the taglines I've been using for my company, but I couldn't agree more with that. And for sure, interesting, glad to hear that a lot of the younger guys are kind of interested in that as well um and kind of building on that what do you think i I kind of been asking this for people who kind of touch on the personal brand question what do you think of maybe current nhl players right where they have these huge followings but it seems like hockey still has that stigma where they're in that old school mentality where um i don't know what the correct words would be but almost like the shut up and play mentality right where just kind of put their head down, go on the ice, do their job and get off. Right. Yeah. And you, you're starting to see the change I think right now. And yeah, a lot of them are, are, you know, still very business in their interviews and the way they conduct themselves. But now you see the younger guys who are, you know, they're trying to push for not wearing suits into games and they can showcase their style. And, you know, a guy like Nathan McKinnon, a star in the league is he's streaming Fortnite with like the biggest streamers. Um, and Mitch Marner on the Leafs is and Zach Hyman. They're owning esports companies, and I, I keep I keep going back to streaming. But um, they're they're doing stuff with a professional esports team in Toronto, and uh, I see you know clips of them doing that, and um, they're building their brands that way. Elias Elias Pettersson on Vancouver had talked about how he wants to build his personal brand, and he's doing a lot of things off the ice. So so these younger guys are are uh leveraging it and i think they're doing a good job because you know there's a long time of your life after you're done hockey that you gotta kind of fill so you got it, yeah. it's good that they're they're realizing it and they're they can do something like that during their playing careers and and they'll set them up for life after that so yeah the ch- i think the change is coming in now hockey's kind of been latest to the wave of it you know you mentioned earlier the the nba has all, a lot of those players are their own brands you know for years now i think yeah. even going back to the michael jordan days he he was kind of the biggest starter of that you know with the air jordans and it has only elevated from there but yeah hockey's kind of catching up a little late but i'm excited to see uh what some of these younger guys are, are getting up to so it's definitely cool that the change is coming now yeah no absolutely and you know there's two things there that kind of stay that stick out to me when you're touching on the nba players brand 
Um, actually, I had a call with someone who you know represented NFL and uh, NBA players that were at a high level. And one of the things that he kind of gave me advice for you know branding is kind of what's a good NBA brand versus a, a poor one because that's the NBA is kind of leaving the forefront. Right, they're almost beating soccer now. Where anywhere you go in the world, there's an NBA jersey, there's a basketball. NBA is like the cool sport now. And um, one of the things that he pointed out to me was. You know, there's certain NBA players who are kind of still in the old school mentality. And the only thing they post is, you know, game pictures. And then what correlates to that is their sponsorships are just directly sponsors of the NBA. But then other guys who, uh, let me see if I can think of Ben Simmons. I guess that would be a good example. Mm-hmm. You go on his feed, there's some basketball. There's him with FaZe. There's him with his style. There's him, you know, with cars, him doing all these other things rather than just basketball. And his sponsorships kind of, you know, emulate that as well, where, He's not just getting the NBA sponsorships. So that's definitely something to, to look into. And the other thing that I was going to touch on quickly was, you know, you kind of chuckled at the at streaming, right? And I think a lot of us kind of maybe chuckle sometimes when we say streaming because, you know, our parents maybe growing up were, hey, like, stop playing so many video games. It's never going to get you anywhere. Yeah. But now, you know, having meetings with, you know, esports teams and people involved in the industry – you're hearing the numbers that are being thrown around and like, Oh my God, like maybe I should have focused on NHL, you know, Oh six, a little more when I was a kid. But uh, yeah, like it's incredible. Like I had a meeting with someone and he was telling me how people that are professional esports players are getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars just to be on the team now. And uh, you never know where that can go. And um, let's say you're a hockey player, whether you're have 2000 followers, just streaming and having that micro influence, you can still, uh, you know, partner with a brand to, to provide them with some spotlight as well. And to kind of shift the podcast and kind of move away from route and kind of um, slow things down, there's two questions I want to ask before ending it. And the first one would be, you know, throughout your time working, whether it's for the Ice Dogs, Brock, the Colts, or even with the podcast, do you have a, maybe a story that sticks out to you where when you're going to be, you know, an 80-year-old man in your rocking chair, you're like, wow, I can't believe... I got to live that. Is there any stories like that that stick out? Uh, there's a lot. Um, there's many inappropriate ones <laughs> that I'll, I'll save. But <laughs> um, I think one that comes to mind immediately is just the experience with Brock going to the national championship in our first year. And that was uh, that, you know, the team had finished eighth the year before, got the final playoff spot and got swept in the first round. And then we finished fifth the, the first year that I came. And then just ended up winning every playoff game. Like we really came together in the playoffs and, and, you know, the memories of that playoff run and what what's cool with, with Brock compared to the OHL is, you know, those kids are older and they can, you know, you can go out <laughs> to the bars, like you're not 16 years old. Um, so after every playoff round, we had some wild nights, you know, tons of good memories made. And then, you know, it just got even more exciting as the school got behind it. You know, when, once we got deeper in the playoffs and, and the building's packed, the fans are all drunk and like the environment was crazy. And then um, going to the national championship, which was in Fredericton, New Brunswick, uh, it was the, the coolest experience. That was a like a huge rink and it was it was packed. Um, great, great bars in Fredericton, too. You know, off the ice was a lot of fun. Um but I just remember being in uh, in that environment, the intensity, like along the whole playoff run and with such a great group of guys, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, I remember in the game we lost in the national championship to get eliminated. It's sad because you see, 
you know, the older guys in U Sports, a lot of them are kind of, they'll call it quits after their U Sports career is done. And a lot of them are, are moving on to higher levels of hockey. You know, we, we've we sent a few to NHL entry-level contracts and, and the AHL out of Brock just since I've been there. So um, that that's always great to see. But some are done. And I remember in that national championship game, you know, it's the second intermission. We're in the dressing room and we were down by a goal or two. And I remember one of the guys saying, like, this is not going to be my last hockey game. This isn't it. And, and unfortunately we did lose and i remember being in the room and you know guys are crying you know you're seeing like 27 year old men crying and it, it was really emotional but but just being there and getting that far as a team especially after you know getting swept in the first round the year prior uh it was the whole playoff run and, and championships was something i'll never forget and, and to do it in my first year was really special and um yeah i'll, I'll always have that with me it was a lot of fun yeah absolutely that sounds amazing I'm sure, you know, those are going to be stories that kind of stick with you. And I'm sure even when you're 80, you're going to be chuckling at those inappropriate ones. But yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the things that I forgot to mention that I just remembered, um, and we'll go into the last question here. Uh, what's maybe the, do you have like a goal or objective where you want to reach in your career? Because you are still young, right? You're, you're, you're 22. Is there maybe working in management in the NHL, um, growing the podcast, the you know, you know, a huge, huge, huge audience. Is there anything kind of like that that you're kind of working towards or looking at? Yeah, I think I think the goal is uh, get into the NHL in some capacity. You could say that the dream is NHL GM. Um, I don't know, you know, if it's realistic or not, but that's definitely the the dream job. Um, but but to get to the NHL in some capacity, I'd be happy and, and you know get to work my way up through there. Even honestly, like as long as I'm working in hockey, I'm I'm happy. I love that and. You know, there's a there's a lot of possibilities. Even if I end up staying with Brock for a long time, I, I'd love that. I love I love the school. I love the region, and we have a brand new massive rink on campus now. And so there's a lot of fun there. So I, I don't know. I mean, as long as I'm working in ha- in, in hockey, that's the goal, and I'll, I'm happy with that. But yeah, definitely being in the NHL would be uh, the dream. So we'll we'll see what opportunities come. But I'm definitely just happy to be involved in in sports and hockey specifically. Yeah, absolutely. Just, uh, you know, working on something that you're passionate about can, you know, it makes all the difference in life, right? Where, you know, it doesn't feel like you're working. So that's, that's amazing to hear that, you know, you love what you're doing so much. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to be following your career and hopefully um, I can be like, hey, I know that guy when uh, he was still working at Brock and now he's uh, you know, the GM of hopefully the Sens. I don't know, right? I don't need <laughs> they, they could use some help. Yeah, <laughs> they don't need to get into that. But uh, yeah, <laughs> the last thing I'll kind of ask you here that I like to ask everyone is, do you have any advice, whether it's um, for maybe students starting off, students that are just about to get into the industry that want more experience, or even just general advice about life or careers that you'd like to share? Yeah, it's, I'm. I don't want to say the the super cliche things, but it's <laughs> it's so true that you need to be volunteering, like you need to get yourself involved early. Um, and I'm sure that's what most people are probably saying, but. It, things just don't come to you you I, I said it earlier you got to make your own opportunities and you know if you're volunteering around making connections those are the people that are going to hire you and and you know you, you Chris obviously know it very well um and I know it myself so you, you just you need to be making opportunities for yourself do everything you can um and you just got to believe that it's going to pay off because it will you know you're going to meet the one guy on one volunteering thing that's going to change your career and uh it's just get involved in as many ways as possible. And when you do, you have to impress, right? You can't be lazy. You got to be the best, the best worker there. So um, 
that's that's the advice kind of you just got to be better than everyone else and, and find those opportunities and, and work as hard as possible at them yeah no absolutely that, that's a great way to put it and you know maybe even just kind of simplifying it, i think that's what you're saying is you know just maximizing your opportunities right where you know volunteering and you know creating these opportunities for yourself and putting yourself in the right situations but when you're in them you know just uh just making the most of it so i think that's a great way to, to end the podcast Rask, I really appreciate you coming on. Unless there's anything else you'd like to share. Uh, it was a, truly a pleasure, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, that's all I got. Uh, thanks for having me on. It was definitely fun. And uh, can't wait to see where your career goes as well. I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye. We'll, we'll for sure be in touch. That concludes our interview with Michael. Just want to shout out Michael again. Thank you for coming on, for providing some you know great insight, perspective um, on someone's journey right a young professional's journey trying to get into the hockey space or in the hockey space and just trying to develop i should say and i think that's a route a lot of you guys are gonna you know take away from it and enjoy because i think 40 to 50 percent of our listeners are you know young people in canada with the the interest in getting to the sports industry so a right a route i should say like michael's is one that uh is you know directly relevant to to, to everyone's story so something to check out or so you can follow him at, on his socials or also his podcast the showbound podcast michael raskin again and yeah you know who knows maybe we'll um we'll we'll catch up with michael in the future see how he's doing see uh how he's catching up on that, that goal of getting to the nhl but uh yeah very cool really appreciate it nice guy and yeah not too much else to share um lots going on obviously over the next couple of weeks We'll try to share more and more. I think episode 60, as usual, always do like a recap episode with um, my career. So stay tuned for that. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Hope you guys enjoy and uh, see you guys next week.